This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Good morning and welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Summer is just about over and this morning we have a very busy show. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. And Bob, how are you this morning? Good, and it's hard to believe it's like Labor Day weekend. This is the end. Kids are going back to school. It's the most wonderful time of the year if you're a parent. Summer's over, and uh, the X is uh, closing up. What's the rule about wearing white after Labor Day, too? (laughs) Yeah, no, can't uh, do that anymore. Gotta put the white pants away. Yeah, I'm not sure the world's ready for me in white pants yet, so we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Those those white shorts you were wearing on the golf course last week were were nice. Oof, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A little tight, but we'll we'll leave it at that. (laughs) A little little too much information. But we have a busy show today. Well, we're going to recap the Tour Championship from last Last week, and of course, the CP Women's Open, which was thrilling, which we were both on location for. We'll go in depth on Brooke, on uh, on Jin Young Ko, who's unbelievable, bogey free run um, after the CP Women's Open is just crazy. Uh, we're going to hear from the LPGA Tour Commissioner Mike Wan, who you had a chance to catch up with last week as well. Uh, we'll hear from Rory McIlroy, the FedEx Cup champion, a two-time FedEx Cup champion, and we're also going to hear from Bruce Rogerson from Muskoka Bay. Uh, but Bob, starting with the Tour Championship, and uh, a lot of talk going into this was the format. And it was something different, starting at 10 under par. The leader was Justin Thomas, and guys who were uh, near the bottom of the pack starting at even par. Uh, but in the end, the Tour really got a great finish, and, and I guess for now the format seemed to work, didn't it? I kind of like the format, actually. You know, I think in a lot of ways, it made it a lot easier to follow. And you didn't have to look at two things. You didn't have to look at the, the championship and the FedEx Cup. You didn't have to look at Steve Sands and the whiteboard. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all these different things were going on. And you ended up getting a, the marquee pairing. Probably the, the, you couldn't have probably asked for a better pairing in the final group for the last day of the last round of the, of the yeah. year. And uh, there you are with uh, McElroy and Brooks Kepka. Um, I guess we're going to call it round two or round three yeah, of their title yeah. fight. And this time, Roy McElroy comes out on top and shot the lowest. You know, he, he won the Tour Championship legitimately and the FedEx Cup legitimately. So I guess in some ways this format works. I still think you're going to have to sell it a little more to the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot less on the fans. I think they understand it now. I saw a funny tweet out there saying McElroy won both the net and the gross of, yeah. <laughs> of the Tour Championship of the FedEx. So, but yeah, he was 13 under for the tournament. Xander Shoffley was 10 under, so he would have won both. Uh, but as we were talking about on Golf Talk Canada Radio last weekend uh, with Mark, sort of he be- Mark believes that Rory needed this victory to sort of to finish off what's been a great season, and you know to have 14 top tens and 19 starts. This really was a dream season for Rory, wasn't it? It was, you know, when he was at the uh, RBC Canadian Open earlier this year at his pre-media press conference. I asked him a question, and I'm not—I I think he got it, but I basically said, "What's the difference between playing well and playing well and winning? Is there a difference? Could could he have gone this year?" And just had another top 10. He had 14 top 10s and 19 starts mm-hmm. this year, which is unbelievable. And been satisfied with it. And I think in his mind, knowing Rory a little bit the way I do, I think he probably would have been satisfied. But I think outwardly, uh, without this championship, I think a lot of people would have not really recognized just how good a year it was. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, people look at Rory McIlroy and, you know, what, what happened at Royal Port Rush. And, you know, there's the expectations were sky high for Rory. And of course, he goes 79 65 to miss the cup by one. He had two sort of. 
backdoor top tens in majors, and he really wasn't a factor at the Masters. But even as he was talking at the Players' Championship, he's really a changed man, isn't he? He doesn't really bring, if whether he shoots 65 or 75, that doesn't really affect his off-course demeanor, does it? That's, the I think, the biggest change in him. Two biggest changes I've seen in Rory this year are that, tr- that trying to separate Rory the golfer from Rory the person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of guys who manage to do that are a little bit more successful. When you're all-encompassing, when everything revolves around golf, it kind of eats up your world. And if you have a bad round, you know what effect, it means you have a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I think Rory has found out now that you know you can have a bad day or a good day and, and still go on with your regular routine, doing whatever it is you want to do. So I think that's big. And I think on the golf course, I also think the fact that he has been working with Brad Faxon on his putting, not so much about actual mechanics of the stroke, but more about the, I don't know if you want to call it the philosophy, um, but, but Brad has been telling him just, you know, relax and let the putter be free. And don't worry about, you know, the, don't stop thinking about what you're thinking about and just let the putter go. And I can see that in his stroke. And it's so much better this year. It really is so much better this year. And, and this really, you know, we, we've spoken at length in the past about, you know, when Rory's on top of his game, there really aren't many people who can who can beat him, and, and clearly he was on top of his game at the FedEx Cup, now second in the world. Do you think if if Rory's on top of his game, if Dustin Johnson's on top of his, on top of his game, he clearly wasn't at the Tour Championship, and Brooks kept it? Do you, do you still think Rory is on top of the totem pole there, or is it too close to call? Uh, it's pretty close to call. You know, I'm not sure if uh, if you can go one way or the other, yeah. but it's there. Those two, I would love to see those three. Actually, would be great. Um, going going head to head, you know, it's just I don't know. They're, they're they when they are on their best, there's nothing weak about their mm-hmm, games, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a pleasure to watch. And I think those guys, each one of those think all of them think that if they're playing their best golf, that they can beat the other guys, yeah. which is also intriguing. Very intriguing uh, for sure. Now we mentioned Brooks Kepka here, and he had this unbelievable season. His first finish in a major was a T four at the Open Championship. Sort of faltered down the stretch uh, at the Tour Championship, mainly his driver uh, and his putter, but still a pretty darn good payday at three and a half million dollars. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, but uh, Brooks Kepka caps off another memorable year. And and uh, what did you think overall of the year that was Brooks Kepka? I mean, it's hard to overlook what he did in the major championships yeah. this year. It's pretty spectacular what he did. And I think the, maybe the biggest change that we've seen is now Brooks Koepka doesn't have to worry about not being respected anymore. <laughs> I think people realize that this guy is the best player in the world over this course of this year. Um, he wasn't in the last round, obviously, hit mm-hmm. that ball out of bounds, made three straight bogeys yep. on the on the backside on Sunday to really kind of blow any chance that he would have had to uh, to win this thing. But... Um, he, to me, epitomizes the new generation of golfers that we've seen. There are other guys like him, but it's a power game in a different kind of way. We've seen power golfers before, but this is a powerful golfer, mm-hmm. if that makes sense 100%. or not. And I think he's shaping um, a lot of what we're seeing now and coming up with, with other guys in terms of how far you hit it, how hard you hit it, how muscular or strong you can be. Whether you're muscular doesn't mean, I think it's more strength than muscle. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, it probably doesn't, but, but, for, <laughs> but in my mind it does. For sure. Um, and I think, uh, I think going forward, this is a guy that's uh, probably going to win more majors. He's just built that way. And, and throughout the year, his persona, I guess, how he's come across to the media might be 
some say cocky, some say he maybe he doesn't care until the majors, but I think he's sort of maybe warming to some people perhaps that he's just so honest and that maybe is refreshing that you know you never really hear a cliche out of him. Uh, he's going to give you the truth whether it's talking about slow play, whether it's talking about him and ESPN the body issue, whether losing 20 pounds and getting into a Twitter battle with Brandel Chambly, but his honesty can be refreshing sometimes, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, I, th- I think both sides have kind of moved closer to the center. Like, I think on one side you got the media who are, or fans who are sort of outraged or, I don't know, maybe outrage is a strong word, but they're kind of, they don't really um, like the way he was acting yeah. in a lot of places. And I think Brooks has realized that, you know, there's a, probably a better way to say what he's saying. And not that he's holding much back, but mm-hmm. just the way he's saying it. More than anything, and you're right. He's a guy. I, I love the comment earlier this year when someone said to ask him, he says, "Do you like to be out front going into the final round, or do you like to be chasing?" And he looked at him and said, "You know, what kind of question is that? I like to be ten shots ahead. Of course, who wouldn't want to be out front?" And it's it's those kind of things that I think, in his mind, suggest that you know, are are, are you guys really serious? I'm going to answer this honestly and forthrightly, and I think a lot of people respect him for doing that. Yeah, for sure. And another memorable one was uh, after the third round of the PGA Championship when one a reporter asked, is there any doubt that you're going to win tomorrow? And he said, no. Yeah, I so, love that and, too. and he went out and won, of course, that was a little tighter than many thought because the conditions got tougher, but he did win his fourth uh, major championship. Another big star this year, especially here in Canada, big story, was Corey Connors. And uh, he, he picked up a huge payday at the Tour Championship. And this was uh, a year that... You know, it could have easily not have happened if he had made a cut in Putacana. And of course, he goes on to Monday qualify and win the Valero Texas Open, getting the Masters, yada, yada, yada. What a year it was. And, you know, um, I guess sort of what's next for Corey Connors? Because this year was just unbelievable. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really gone. It was interesting. There was a, a post on Instagram by his wife, Mallory, who said, uh, you know, was sort of saying, what a year, what a crazy year. And she said, you know, I was so sort of stressed out at the start of the year because I'm just like that. I have a hard time kind of feeling free and, um, but she said, you know, just letting things happen and seeing what can result was was pretty spectacular, and and it was spectacular for Corey. And I think now, you know, he's uh, he's a confident guy with his game, without being cocky, and he's a guy who really fully believes that he has the talent to play with the best in the world, that he deserves to be in a tour championship level, mm-hmm. and he's going to get that chance full out next year yeah. with all the majors. Well, I mean, he, he doesn't technically qualified for the PGA, but he will have no problem with that and the World Golf Championship events and those kind of big ticket items. And, you know, right now he's the second ranked Canadian in the world rankings, but he's only a few spots behind uh, Adam Hadwin. Um, and at this rate, you know, I mean, it's, I know there's still a ways to go, but, you know, you'd like to see, like to think that probably he'll be on the Canadian Olympic team as well in Tokyo in 2020 next year. So a lot of, uh, a big, big step up for Corey Connors this year. Well, and you mentioned an international potential uh, you're representing at the Olympics, but first up is the President's Cup. Um, you know, he's going to, he's very likely going to make some more starts on the PGA Tour in, in the fall series. How much more does he have to show to Captain Ernie Els, you know, especially because Mike Weir is going to be in Ernie Els' ear say, hey, this guy won this year, he made the Tour Championship. How much more do you think he has to do to earn a spot on the team? Or do you think he's really guaranteed a spot? Uh, I don't think he's guaranteed a spot yet. I think he's probably in the running and a yeah. very good chance to get it. But there's still two months, you know, yeah. really to go before they make the picks. November 4th is when they're going to make the pick. So I think Ernie Els wants to use these picks to, to, to select guys who are playing hot, who are playing well. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of golfers up in between him and in around that area where he is on the, on the board that are 
not always not that well known. They're they're international golfers, Jazz, Jen and Watnanad, mm-hmm. and 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 Asian golfers that are up there. So um, they have still if they're playing in Europe, you know, they still have tournaments to play. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff to be decided yet still, but I think he's in a good position now to at least make Ernie Els, uh think about it pretty hard. It'll be awesome to see how that goes down the stretch for Corey Connors. It would be great to see a Canadian make a International Presidents Cup team for the second uh, straight time. Speaking of Canadians, Brooke Henderson had a great showing at the CP Women's Open. We'll discuss her performance, and we'll hear from her next. This is GTC. This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twistface M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Producer Adam Scully and Bob Weeks here on this lovely morning. Summer has come to a close, which is unfortunate, but fall golf in the GTA, it's uh, some of the best golf uh, we'll see. And we saw some great golf last week at Magna, uh, the CP Women's Open. Brooke Henderson uh, coming T3 and Bob coming off her her victory last year. This was quite a showing for Brooke, wasn't it? It was. Um, this has become Brooke's tournament, and the rest of the players are just living inside it. <laughs> and uh, you can see by the by the crowds that went up, there were more people on the grounds than ever before at a, at a tournament, uh, CP Women's Open. And you know she, I think she dealt with the pressure of trying to defend really well. She just sort of accepted and said, "I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to." getting used to be, be uh, burdened by this. I'm going to use this to an advantage. I've done this before. I know how it feels. I know what it takes. So use that to your experience as you go out and play on these rounds. And that, uh, that Saturday round, especially that back nine where she shot 29, I mean, that was absolutely spectacular golf. Nine under in an 11-hole span. We were standing by the 18th green, and the 17th uh, green was probably... 600 yards away, and we could hear the roar loud. <laughs> you feel it on the ground. You could feel <laughs> yeah. it. The place was shaking. It was awesome. So Brooke Henderson finishes T3. Ran, uh, you know, came up short behind a buzzsaw in Jin Young Ko, and she was incredible. But after Brooke's final round, Bobby had a chance to go one-on-one with her. All right, Brooke, it was a solid day out there on Sunday, but to beat someone like Jin Young Ko in the way she was playing, I guess you had to be pretty much phenomenal out there, didn't you? How, how would you sum up today? Uh, yeah, you know, she played fantastic all day. You know, a ton of birdies, especially down the stretch. So I feel like a win for me today, I would have had to probably shoot like 59. So, you know, to shoot 300 in the final round, to have these amazing crowds that I had all week, and, you know, to finish T3, uh, I'm really happy with it. You know, it's, it's tough to win out here on the LPGA Tour against the best players in the world, and I feel like I made a solid title defense, and I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season. How are you emotionally at this point when you come off a tournament like this where it means so much? Uh, yeah, you know, this is an incredible event and it does mean so much to me. Uh, being a champion here is really cool. Being a CP ambassador and raising so much money for CP has heart. Uh, it's just an incredible feeling. You know, 2.2 million again this year. It's unreal. I think... Um, of course, I would love to hoist that trophy again sometime, but, you know, for me, this week, it just wasn't meant to be. So last year, 
uh, sorry, two, two years ago in Ottawa, you contended. Last year, you obviously won. This year, you contended. And coincidentally, those are the three biggest attendants in CP Women's <laughs> Open history. Do you feel the love out here? Uh, definitely. You know, the fans from early Thursday morning were out here cheering me on, and I feel like I had made a lot of birdies, and hopefully I made it exciting for them. What's up next now? I'm excited to go back to Portland where I've won twice and you know, maybe get my 10th win on the LPGA Tour. That'd be really cool. Uh, I'm just excited. I have seven events left. Hopefully I can finish strong. Thanks for a great week, Brooke. Cool. Thanks, Bobby. Well, Bobby, quite a performance there by Brooke <laughs> Henderson. Uh, you know, she came up short, finishing T3, um, four rounds in the 60s, uh, and she was, she was really fun to watch. But, you know, um, looking at... Jin Young Ko, first of all, we'll get into Brooke after. Um, the stretch that she is on, world number one, four wins this year, and a bogey-free stretch that's gone now over 100 holes, she's just unbelievable right now, isn't she? It is unbelievable, and you think uh, you, th- you understand why she's world number one in the Rolex rankings. This is her fourth victory of the year. She's won two major championships. I mean, you could make a very big case that she's, uh, in her own domain, is the best golfer in the world right now. She's playing at her level, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. And a lot of credit goes to a guy from Canada. Gareth Rafluski is a short game guru, the short game whisperer on the LPGA Tour. He has upwards of 20 clients. And this uh, this last year, uh, Jin Young Ko decided to hire him and hired him for a two-week stretch. They went, they went a two-week solid, redid her whole short game, got her new wedges, got her a new putter, uh, built that all around, um, a whole bunch of different things. But... When you saw her short game, like on the ninth hole in the last round, she hit it into the trees, had to take a drop, and wedges it out of the rough to about two and a half feet. Uh, man, I don't know what she paid, Gareth, but it was probably worth every penny of it. Yeah, she's been uh, incredible to watch. I was standing on that ninth green when it happened, and uh, there was a huge crowd crowd around her, and she hits this shot to you know two and a half feet and gets up and down for a miraculous five, and that really kept the the pedal going on, on her round. Uh, but you know, for Brooke Henderson, uh, four rounds uh, in the sixties, as I mentioned, overall, you know, comes out flying out of the gates with a sixty-six. What did you think of her performance and how she really dealt with this pressure? I thought she dealt with the pressure really well. I thought her game uh, itself was good at times. It was great at times, but it was only good at times. Like on Sunday, when she really needed to kind of get off to a fast start, getting you know starting two shots behind, she a didn't really hit the ball close enough to the hole to give herself legitimate chances. When she did, she missed a couple of golden opportunities down the stretch, which on Saturday those were dropping. And it's it's look, it's just golf. It happens. She's never she knows that the putter is the weakest part of her game, and it's not she's a terrible putter by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just compared to the rest of her game, it kind of shows through. And I think, in many ways, uh, what you saw from Brooke was um, was a typical Brooke tournament where where if if five more putts drop and that she had you know she probably had five chances inside eight feet that she might have missed. Uh, things could have come differently. And then you look at her, her round on Saturday. She starts 66-69, and you go to Saturday. She's two over through seven holes, and then goes nine under in 11 holes. Can you remember a stretch, you know, look, e- even in Canadian golf where, where you know, men, man or female, uh, male or female, comes out and has a run like that? The only thing that I can even think of that comes close is, is Stephen Ames at the Players' Championship. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, this is, I mean, and the putts she was making, I'm just talking about her putting, Yeah. but she sank a couple of short ones that she knocked in, but she, she was sinking them from 30 and 40 feet, like, you know, like they were two-foot uphill, putter, uh, uphill putts with no break. And, and those days don't come very often, obviously, when you're a professional golfer. But I thought that, uh, you know, I can't really remember anything that stands out from 
guys like Mike Weir or Lori Kane or anyone like that 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 c- kind of rivals this. That nothing that jumps it on my mind. It mm-hmm. was on Fuego. The only thing I can remember uh, was the U.S. Open a couple years ago. I want to say it was Aaron Hills and Adam Hadwin made five or six birdies in a row. But 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 this is a completely different. Yeah, this isn't on home soil. You know, yes, it was a U.S. Open. It was funny watching it on TV when they showed. I think the sixth one, and that was <laughs> yeah. about it. Uh, but you know. We spoke about this uh, on the hits we did on site at the CP Women's Open with Lindsay Hamilton. Um, you know, Brooke Henderson is, at this point, you've got to say, in an individual sport, one of, if not the best athletes we have in Canada, isn't she? I would say she's certainly the most recognizable. Uh, she is certainly, if you look at what she's done in sponsorship, like you see the logos yeah. all over her and yeah. how much money she's bringing in. It's like from, a NASCAR driver. Yeah, yeah, like MasterCard and Rolex. These are big international companies. They're not just Canadian companies. Uh-huh. She does have a couple of Canadian companies, but Skechers. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty impressive, uh, and I think, I think it's only going to get better. That's the biggest thing about this. She's 21 years old. I mean, she's our best years are ahead of her. Well, isn't it nuts too? And and sometimes I have to pinch myself. Think you know, she turns 22 in you know a couple weeks now, but she already is the all-time winningest Canadian professional golfer. You know, so like, what's next for Brooke? Uh, she has nine <laughs> wins already. By the end of the year, um, you know, obviously this week she's playing in Portland and where she's won twice. Um, you know, could we see her in starting a ten or eleven win starting next year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, you know, if you're looking at Brooks' year, perhaps the only thing that that didn't stand out was her performance in the majors. Yeah. You know, it was lacking a little bit. There wasn't anything really. There was never really in contention to win any of them. And I think that's the only thing that's that's the next level that she's got to get to by winning some more majors. But yeah, there's nothing that nothing in her game that says to me that she's struggling right now. So she could go to Portland and win. She could go win the next two or three in a row. Who knows? Yeah, she she was so much fun to watch, and it was it was amazing too. You know, because she isn't she's 21, turning 22 very shortly. There's so many fans. Brooks Brigade's out there. Uh, Brooks Brigade is out there watching her. Um, and and that's you've got to think that the future of Canadian golf. Is that a pretty high standard right now, you know, given that these kids who are, you know, call it 8 to 12 years old are watching their idol, yeah, who's only 10 years older than, like, that, that's, that's got to be a pretty cool thing, isn't it? That's right. Well, look at Michelle Liu with 12-year-old girl that. Yeah, sitting, yeah. sitting there saying, you know, I've watched Brooke forever for my whole life, and it's really kind of funny when you think yeah. you know, a 12-year-old looking up to a 21-year-old. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it is. And I think if she inspires, she's inspired a lot of people to watch her. If she inspires a tenth of those people to go and play the game, whether they play casually or for recreation or for a career, um, man, what an impact it'll have. Yeah, she's, she's incredible to watch. Uh, the next, uh, next time the CP Women's Open, obviously next year it's in, at Shaughnessy. Uh, I, you know, recommend go out and watch her. Uh, she is so much fun to watch. She hits the ball an absolute mile. Uh, her driver's are straight as club in the bag. Uh, and she, uh, she's the best Canadian golfer ever at this point. So, uh, I'd recommend going, uh, and watching her. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, Mark Sacchino's gonna join the show. Oh. Uh, we, we did a little phone interview before he jetted off to Ireland. So, uh, I noticed he was sitting, uh, he, tweeted a picture. I noticed he was sitting in the up front of the cabin. Yes. In the pods. In the mm, pods. Yes. Ha ha ha. Probably having <laughs> some uh, champagne or something. Yeah. Uh, but we'll chat. We'll catch up with Mark Zucchino uh, after the break. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed injected twist face M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Producer Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. And uh, earlier this week, I had a chance to catch up with Mark Sacchino, who's currently in Ireland right now, playing some of the great golf courses in the world. In fact, as this is airing right now, he might be playing Royal Portrush as we speak and probably hitting between 15 and 17 greens in regulation. Who knows how many putts he's going to have. His putting's been pretty good. But uh, Mark and I had a chance to, to catch up and talk about the Tour Championship and Rory McIlroy picking up his second career FedEx Cup. And for more on the Tour Championship, bringing in Mark Sacchino. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm good, Scully. And before we even get going, when this show airs <laughs> and our Golf Talk Canada listeners are hearing you and I break this Tour Championship down, i got to tell you one thing. I will be in Royal County Down. So hello from Royal County Down. Wow. Hello from – and before we go, I will definitely ask you a question about Royal County Down and stuff we're look, looking forward to. But that's such an exciting trip. I'm so jealous. And, yes, by the time this airs, you will be down the middle of the fairway at Royal County Down. Stay out of that fescue for uh, sure. But this Tour Championship, what an event. And, you know, going into it, all the talk was about the format, uh, you know, with Brooks with uh, Justin Thomas starting at 10 under par and uh, – Lucas Glover and those near 30th were at even par. But in the end, Mark, this this turned into a great tournament, didn't it? Yeah, you know what I find interesting about... The, well, there's a bunch of things, Scully, that I find mm-hmm. interesting about the whole thing. But right off the top, you know, if they all started at even par, uh, Rory McIlroy would have finished first, and Xander Shoffley would have finished second. Right. And Rory McIlroy finished first. <laughs> So there's something to be said there just in the basic math uh, of of what that means, you know. So uh, also, I think the other thing that stands out is on Thursday and Friday, we were all still talking about Justin Thomas starting at 10, Kepka starting at 8, et cetera, et cetera. But come Sunday afternoon, it was just a leaderboard in a golf tournament. And... All the naysayers and all the skeptics and all the people who were just kind of holding on the watch and see approach, which I think was most of us, mm-hmm. you and Bob, and kind of a, you know, we think it might work. We're not 100% sure, but, you know, let's, let's give it a chance. Let's wait and see. Come Sunday afternoon when they're coming down the stretch, it was just a golf tournament. Right. And it was who, who was going to win this thing, who was going to win $15 million and and grab the FedEx Cup. So I think at the end of the day, you know, you had Kepka, McElroy, Shoffley, Justin Thomas, great golf course, uh, classic layout, and it was it was pretty simple to follow. I think the PGA Tour got what they want. What do you feel? Do you think this, now that we've seen it once, you saw the way it transpired, did they get what they wanted, and are you happy with it? Yeah, for sure. The one thing, you know, I was curious about coming in is, you know, let's say Justin Thomas shoots, you know, a really good round of golf on Thursday, shoots six or seven under par, and he's at 17 under through one round. Um, at, at that point, maybe the tournament, it's not over, obviously, but the, the the interest factor maybe isn't quite there. But because he didn't really get out of the gates, you know, he, he wasn't going crazy for the first two or three rounds. It brought everyone, you know, sort of back into the mix. Uh, it, it was 
was interesting to watch for sure. And, and even as you said too, once the weekend hit, I almost forgot that you know Justin Thomas did start at ten under par, and you know Patrick Cantlay started in, in second place at eight under, and and he actually finished T twenty one. He had a bad weekend, so I guess as we know in golf, Mark, you know, anything can happen, right? Anything can happen, and I think there's something that has to be highlighted that's very important that isn't getting talked about at all. And and it's to your point. What if Justin Thomas comes out and shoots a 61 on Thursday? Yeah. It, does it change the complete complexion of this golf tournament, and are we in a snore fest? Mm-hmm. And I think that something needs to be highlighted uh, that, that I haven't heard really anybody talk about all week is that the setup of Eastlake and how the PGA Tour set up that golf course was was so key mm-hmm. in making this formula work. It was a punishing golf course. It was not a golf course you could go out and just, you know, go low and, and take big hunks out of. You had to keep in the fairway. There were there were mistakes waiting for you all over this golf course. The Bermuda rough was penal. The ball fell to the bottom most of the time. Players were guessing other lies and quite often just getting it back to safety uh, the way a U.S. Open used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the setup of the golf course, making it tight, holding players back, making par a good score, I think that was huge to make this formula work, to your point. There wasn't. You couldn't just go out there, stroll yourself around, and fire 61 like the previous week at Medina. If this course at Eastlake, was playing like Medina the week before at the BMW, I think there's a potential, Adam, Mm -hmm. that your scenario of these guys, maybe one or two guys, get out and just, you know, especially someone starting at 10 under gets out there and kind of closes the door. We don't have a golf tournament. But for the majority of the week, the lead in this golf tournament until late on Sunday, for the majority of the week, the lead in this golf tournament hovered around where the lead started Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> it didn't get much that much further away from that 10-under number than where we started. And I think the PGA Tour has to be applauded for, for, for recognizing this and giving us the challenge that was Eastlake Golf Club this week. I think it made a huge difference. Yeah, and, and, and that brings me to another point, and that's where we've seen at so many different points, you know, this year in particular and last year as well, with guys sort of just taking driver and bombing it, not really caring whether they're in the fairway or in the rough and that they're going to have, you know, a little wedge in instead of a, an eight or seven iron sort of thing. Do you think we should see more courses on tour set up to this level of difficulty with the rough being that penal where a winning score is going to be, you know, somewhere between seven and say 11 under par? versus yet winning winning scores in the teens or in the 20 under pars? Uh, well, 100%. And, you know, I've been screaming for years. And last week on TV, my winner was Adam Scott because Adam Scott agreed yep. with me and said, listen, length isn't the answer. You can't make it long enough for us. We're going to destroy it. And the proof's in the numbers on that. These guys have destroyed one golf courses. Adam Scott said, you need to put a premium on shot making. You need to put a premium on keeping the ball in the fairway. Um, you know, time and time again, we have this conversation. And year in and year out, go look at the scores. Year in and year out, go to golf courses like Harbortown, mm-hmm. uh, Valspar. Uh, these are not long golf courses. And, you know, what's the winning score each year at uh, the Copperhead course yeah. in, in, in Tampa? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a 7,000 yard golf course, but you got to move it left to right, got to move it right to left, you got to keep it in the fairway. Usually somewhere between 8 and 12 under par wins every year, mm-hmm. which is an extremely respectable score on the PGA Tour. Here we are again at Eastlake. 
if we all started at even par this week, uh, 13 under par would have mm-hmm. won the Tour Championship for uh, Rory McIlroy, right? So, again, very much in check, very much. And there only would have been two players in double digits. Xander would have been at 10, Rory at 13. Uh, uh, Tiger Woods came out earlier this week and said the game's very different than it was when you know he was at the top of his game. He says most weeks on the PGA Tour now, it's hit it down there as far as you can, gouge something out, and, and go from there. But uh, when he was in his prime, the game you know wasn't played that way. Sure, you've got weeks like that. But there was way more shot making involved. I miss the older setups. Uh, mm-hmm. I I miss tournaments like we had this week. I I think it's important to get some of that back into the game. Let's shrink these fairways. Let's make the targets more narrow, and let's uh, you know let's make it you know. Hey, if you put it in the fairway, you're going to have a chance to make birdie. And if you don't, you're going to be scrambling. And I think that gives a whole brand new element to the game that's been missing for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and the guy who mastered uh, East Lake this week was uh, was Rory McIlroy, and who wins his second FedEx Cup title. Uh, pretty unbelievable. And even last week uh, on Golf Talk Hand Radio, you and Bob are talking about you know who needs this win the most, uh, and 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 you said that was Rory McIlroy. What did you think of his performance uh, at East Lake? I think it was huge, Adam, because he needs to he needed to close one, right? Mm-hmm. He needed to close one where he had an opportunity. You got to go back to the Canadian Open to find out, you know, to find an event where he had the opportunity to close, and he did. And I, I thought his performance was great. You know, he was leaking oil down the stretch; it was not looking good. But he, he you know, put that exclamation point with the birdie at seventeen, birdie at eighteen, and closed the door. And I think it's huge. And you know, he's got a three win season. And I wonder how we talk about his season, and I wonder mm-hmm. how we would look at his season if you removed the major championships yeah. and the performances, because he was a top ten machine, often a top five machine all year. Uh, he had the three wins, including the FedEx Cup and the Players Championship, and of course the RBC Canadian Open. So not these are not minor wins; these are huge wins. The challenge becomes, you know, unfortunately for a player like Rory Status like a Dustin Johnson, these guys now, when we look back at them historically, when we look back at their careers, we're going to talk about majors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another year goes by where Rory and DJ don't have another major. Now, I think this was a huge win for Rory. I think, you know, maybe it saves a a huge part of his season. Uh, A three-win year with those types of wins is certainly nothing to snub. But a lot of backdoor top 10 or close to top 10 finishes in majors, the, you know, the, the rough weekend at Augusta. Uh, you know, if he had won a major this year, we'd be talking an awful lot, a lot different about his, uh, about his year. But, but who knows? You know, listen, here we go again now. We've got to wait how long till we get to Augusta? Yes. And that giant elephant's going to be in the room now for Rory McIlroy because he's going to come into Augusta. He moves to number two in the official world golf rankings with his victory. He's going to play in Europe. Uh, so we're, it's not like he's going to stop playing. We're going to see Rory. So he's going to come into Augusta pretty sure somewhere in the top three in the world, the reigning FedEx Cup champion, a three-time winner this year, and that elephant is going to be bigger than it ever has before by the time we get to down Magnolia Lane. Yeah, it's, it's going to be nuts, and you know the storylines will be crazy for Rory. We'll see how he handles uh, that pressure. But you know, for the last couple weeks on GTC, we've been pretty adamant and pretty clear, all of us, that Brooks Kepka is the player of the year with, uh, obviously, a major victory and two other wins. 
Do you think this win by McElroy makes that conversation a little more interesting, given, as you said, the events that he won, the Players' Championship, the RBC Canadian Open, then, of course, this $15 million prize. Do you think this makes that conversation a little tighter? I think it would have if you remove Kepka's performances in the majors that he did it with. Yeah. But when you consider that he's got three wins, same as Rory, one of them's a major, um, which is obviously bigger than any other win, that you, you know, that major victory. But then you consider what he did at Augusta, right? Almost won mm-hmm. at Augusta, finishes second. Uh, almost w- wins the U.S. Open, coming down the stretch against Gary Woodland. Uh, and, and another top ten at the Open Championship. So a win, two seconds, and a top ten in, in the majors. You know, it's those other performances in the majors that locks it. You know, the three wins are huge with the majors massive, but, you know, we could quite, it could have quite easily have been a three major season for Kepka. So, you know, player of the year, as far as I'm concerned, closed done deal with Brooks Kepka. And, you know, yeah, sure, does it make the conversation more interesting? Mm-hmm. Slightly. But with those other major performances, I just don't think it's close to you. It's different. If, now, listen, if Rory had five wins, yeah. you know, and, and still kind of, you know, did not have the major championship season he wanted, I think we got a conversation. Uh, like, what's the number for you? For me, taking a look at Kepka's year, with the performances in the majors that he didn't win, Rory, for me, would have had to have had five Mm -hmm. regular season wins or five, sorry, PGA Tour wins, uh, so two additional victories Mm -hmm. for me to start going, oh, we got Mm -hmm. something to talk about. What's the number for you? Yeah. One more, two more? Yeah, I'd be the same. So in my mind, you know, a major championship, let's say for player of the year on the scale, counts for three wins. So at that point, it'd be 5-3 Kepka. So Rory would have to, yeah, at least five wins, I'd say, you know, thinking at how Kepka did perform, he really had a chance to win, you know, all four major championships, you know, at that poor rush, the final round, every, all the leaders sort of struggle except for Shane Lowry, obviously. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I really think, uh, it makes the conversation tighter, but, uh, Kepka definitely is the player of the year. But in, in regards to Eastlake and Kepka, he was two over uh, on Sunday at Eastlake. Did that bring much surprise to you? I mean, the, the seventh hole, obviously there were some shenanigans there, losing the golf, losing the golf ball, making double, but were you surprised? to see him go two over on the final round with so much on the line yeah I was I, I you know I thought he put the ham- I thought he would put the hammer down like he tends to do when when you know he's got an opportunity to win something of uh, sub- sub- substantial uh, size like a major something that he deems important so to speak but he, he did you know he did not have complete control of his game all week mm-hmm. and you know uh, he was he was a lot looser than we uh, than we're normally accustomed to with Kepka. I think the one thing to take from this from a positive side, if you're Kepka or if you're a Kepka fan, or if you're somebody wondering if, you know, is he going to be, you know, near or at this form when we get to 2020 is, you know, he almost won the tour championship with, you know, probably his B minus game. <laughs> you know, you know, he was certainly struggling with his ball striking and had problems with the pace with his putting most of the week. Uh, you know, there were holes in his game that, that he usually doesn't have, especially at major championships or big events like this. And he still almost pulled it off. So that's a scary thought because, you know, in, in our lifetime, uh, the only two players that have ever come close to that, certainly Tiger Woods was the best maybe ever at winning golf tournaments without his best stuff. And for a while there, Jordan Spieth. 
was able to do it because he was just, you know, he'd hit it like a 13 handicap and out putt the field, mm-hmm. right, for, for a small stretch. So normally, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there that can win without their A game. And Kepka came very close to winning with, with far from his best. And uh, that speaks to how consistent the guy can be. And it might speak to the fact that he ain't going anywhere anytime soon to look out for 2020. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a huge year for Kapka for sure. Uh, but 2019 was an absolutely life-changing year for Canadian Corey Connors. Uh, yes, he did falter on Sunday at the Tour Championship, but still takes home quite a payday just at the Tour Championship alone. Uh, just what an unbelievable year uh, this was for Connors, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, it's uh, career-changing. You know, Bob and I and yourself were talking about it last weekend. It's just, listen, to me, this was all bonus at this point. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, Corey wasn't there to win. Corey was trying to win. He tries to win every time he puts the ball on the ground. But when you consider the year he had, this is all gravy. You know, from Monday qualifying to winning to getting your two-year exemption, uh, you know, to getting an invite, getting into the Masters with that win. Now top 30, he's, he's in the World Golf Championship events. He qualifies for three of the four majors. He's got a shot at the President's Cup in December. You know, he finished 13th on the points list, but there's a long way to go before they start selecting captain's picks. Being at Eastlake is certainly going to improve his uh, posturing when it comes to a captain's pick for the President's Cup. I mean, and you know, the system's so bizarre in a way, Skulls, because, you know, it's so hard to get to that level, right? It is so hard to get to major championships, world golf championships, to qualify for these elite fields. But once you get there, it, it, it's almost a little easier to stay once you get there because now all the world golfing uh, ranking points are elevated in these events. The money's up. Uh, you know, finishing in the top ten, you know, means you get an invite back the next year. Or you know, so all there's all these little things that kick in in these events now. That once you've made it to the dance, it's almost like you're in the club, so to speak. In quotations, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, doesn't mean you can't fall out. Doesn't mean you know it's a lock, but. What it does mean, in my opinion, is that if his career continues on an upward trajectory and he continues to improve, you know, it, there, it's probably going to be easier for him to stay at this level now. Whereas, you know, your first time to get to that level, to kick in that door, is usually the hardest. And, man, he kicked it in pretty hard this year. Did he ever? What an unbelievable uh, life-changing uh, year. Speaking of life-changing, I went to Ireland a couple weeks ago, and that was certainly <laughs> life-changing. It was amazing. When this airs, you're going to be there, Mark. Is there one course, before we let you go, one course in particular, because your rota is just unbelievable. Is there one course that you're really looking forward to playing the most? Uh, well, obviously, I'm looking at, uh, excited about Royal Port Rush because we just all watched the Open there, and right. we're all kind of saying, and I and I've never played it since the renovation, and the changes are just spectacular. So, obviously, looking forward to that a great deal. But if I had to pick just one, it has to be Royal County Down, Adam, mm-hmm. because it, you know it's ranked number one in the world on, on most of the world lists from different publications, uh, and I've only played it once before in my life and it kicked my teeth in. I mean, it had my lunch. I played it <laughs> two and a half, three weeks before it hosted the Irish Open. Ooh. And it was, like, so hard. And I said, it's like playing golf in a parking lot. They told me, oh, it's always like that. So yeah. I said, okay. And, I mean, it was just one of the hardest 
And it was, first of all, it was one of the best golf courses I've ever played in my life, hands down, but also one of the most challenging and difficult golf courses I've ever played. And it's like that all the time. They just, you know, turn, they just flip the open side in the pro shop and it's ready to go. You can play it like that any day of the year. So I'm looking forward. I got two kicks at the can. We're playing it back to back days, one morning tea time, one afternoon tea time. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some type of revenge from the last time and only time I was there where it just it, it kicked my teeth in. So uh, that's that's the course I'm kind of trying to gear up for. Amazing. Well, I, I also played 36 holes there, and it also totally uh, kicked my butt. Mark, uh, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, and uh, safe travels over to Ireland. Enjoy, and I can't wait to have a full debrief, uh, maybe over a pint of Guinness or probably on the air, uh, about your wonderful trip. I will have a pint for you. I will have a pint for Bob. You guys have a great weekend, and I can't, I can't wait to talk to you guys about it when I'm old. Have a good one, Scully. Thank you. Stay tuned. More GTC coming up after the break. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Producer Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here as Labor Day is just around the corner. It's been an unbelievable summer of golf and fall golf, especially here in the GTA. Uh, if that's where you're listening from, uh, it's some of the prettiest golf of the year. Uh, and I, I can't wait to play golf when, when the leaves are starting to fall and maybe you have to throw on the odd sweater vest or sweater or maybe a jogger, you know, put on some <laughs> joggers or two as, uh, as I posted on Instagram this week. Uh, you know, as Mark says, as Mark says, the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. You got to start somewhere. Uh, but coming up in hour two or the back nine here on GTC, we're going to hear from the LPGA Tour Commissioner Mike Wan. We're going to hear from AC Tangay, the other Canadians make the cut at the CP Women's Open. We're going to hear from Rory McElroy. But first, coming up next, it's winners, weird and what, of the PGA Tour season. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at golftalkcanada.com. We'll be right back with more GTC. Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here on the back nine here on GTC as Labor Day uh, is just around the corner. It's been a, a it's been a crazy summer, Bob. It's been a great year of golf, and now we're gonna 
debrief it all and, and do our special winners, weird and what, of the year of golf. And with that, you have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. All right, my winner this week is actually a trio of winners. Oh. And uh, I was wrapping up the season and thinking of some great moments, and I went all Canadian on this, and I, I love picked it. three Canadians who've won on different tours this year. Great. And first is Corey Connors, who we discussed a little bit earlier about what a year he's had starting from the 126 to 150 category, Monday qualifying, getting into the Valero Texas Open and winning that with a dramatic lap final run. Remember that? He was way up and then he bogeyed four in a row yeah. and then he came back to win. Well, and one of the great things of that was watching Mallory, his wife, <laughs> yeah, her reactions, exactly. sort of looking with, with the, the wine in one hand, sort of looking shocked. That was amazing to watch. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was great. So he's my one, win, one of my winners. The next one, of course, is Brooke Henderson, who's won uh, twice to this point. She might, she might end up with more. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just fabulous to see her playing. And then my Michael Gliggett, yeah. who won on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour and uh, pumped himself up to the uh, the PGA Tour. Three Canadians, three big wins on three big tours, and I tell you, it's uh, it's nice there because I've covered this sport for a long time, as you know, and, and there's yeah. been years when we have had no wins. So this is the fourth consecutive year, by the way, that a Canadian has graduated from the web.com slash Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour. It's not remarkable, too, you know, to think that, you know, the, the future... The, the the current and future of Canadian golf is just in such a high spot right now. And, and uh, you know, for Michael Glegic, um what kind of expectations can he have going into this? He's going to have some starts in the fall series, but what do you think? You know, this is a guy who has spent a long time getting there, 11 years as a professional, yeah. and there were times he admitted that he was going to uh, he pack, just it pack it in. He actually, after two years, lost his privileges and started to, be, to go back on real estate, uh, to oh, get his real estate license. Yeah. And he actually went out and played with a bunch of his buddies, and they and he shot like 64 or something. And they said, "You got to go out again. You got to go play again." So he went to Edmonton and won the tournament on the McKenzie Tour, and that kind of pushed himself back Amazing. into the into the life that he's got. And now he's reached his goal, and he's just a wonderful guy, and you can't help but cheer for him. Yeah, amazing. He's he's been fun to watch. Uh, my weird this week. I went back. You know how I love to do my weirds on I, this. I know radio. well. Yeah, I went back. Yes. Sort of. I wanted to give you my greatest hit for this year. Oh, on, perfect. On the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this takes us back, of course, to the famous Villages Resort in uh, in Florida, where Lady Lake, <laughs> Lady Lake Police arrested a man Sunday after he stole a truck and led a chase through a golf course in the Villages, according to a report by WFTV. And Jesse Webb, 29, arrived at the gatehouse outside the Country Club Hills community, saying that people were eating his brains out. <laughs> He then stole a company vehicle, drove it through the Orange Blossom Hills Country Club golf course, and nearly hit a woman on the 16th hole, the report showed. He eventually crashed the car at a nursing home near the villages. After being treated for an injured leg, a handcuffed Webb unsuccessfully attempted to grab an officer's taser, the report said. The records show that Webb faces nine charges, including theft of a motor vehicle, two charges of fleeing and eluding, two charges of criminal mischief, aggravated assault, possession of ammunition by a convicted felon, resisting without violence, and driving with a revoked license and oh that includes a golf God. cart apparently so oh my. but i just thought man if someone's eating your brain then uh, you got some problems well and and the amount of research that goes into the, you looking up these weird <laughs> i i got to applaud you you know you know cuz uh, you know we can we get we talk about weird on the tour or something on twitter <laughs> but you're going to page 6 of google and finding these great things which is great for our viewers and well it's a that's lighting it up i don't do it on tv but i do it on radio you can get away with it on yes, radio exactly <laughs> Uh, my what is, is uh, what a year it was for Canada's two biggest golf tournaments. You know, we had the RBC yeah. Canadian Open in Hamilton. 
We have the CP Women's yeah. Open uh, at Magna. Two great golf courses, first of all, which we haven't always had yeah. um, by peeps, different people's standards. And then we had two great winners. And you look at the basically, you had Rory McIlroy, who ends up being the FedEx Cup champion at the end of the year, shoots 61 on Sunday. You had Jin Young Ko, who's the world number one. By the way, the fourth time in the last five years that the world number one ranked player has won that tournament. Interesting. And you know, you know who won it the fifth year was, of course, Brooks. Brooks so yes, he's yes. had a pretty good run, yeah. pretty good run of big name winners in those turns. But this year, I thought those two events, record sales in both of them, record attendance at both of them in terms of uh, ticket sales and um, measurement of, of of corporate sales as well. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, it's been a booming year, and also. Great weather in all four. I was just going to mention that. Yeah, great weather. And, you know, especially, you know, looking back to um, the RBC Canadian Open at Hamilton in June uh, when we shot Golf Talk Canada television. Um, I remember you guys, you guys had at least two layers on. It looked like you were shivering. <laughs> uh, you know, it just looked really cold. And we get to Thursday, it rained really hard at the Pro Am when we were shooting some stuff with the rough and we were running into the media tent and getting absolutely drenched. But then Thursday <laughs> through Sunday, it was like 23 degrees and perfect. The best story about the rainstorm in the Pro-Am was Shane Lowry, the Open champion. Did you hear about this one? No, no, no. So he walked out, started to go down there, and I guess that storm came in a little bit suddenly. He wasn't expecting it. His caddy obviously wasn't expecting it because he didn't put the umbrella in the bag. Oh, boy. So Lowry walked over to the side. He saw this woman standing there with an umbrella. It wasn't up yet, but he could tell it was going to rain, and he said to her, I'll give you 100 bucks for that, el- for that uh, umbrella. <laughs> he pulled out 100 U.S., gave it to her. She said, sure, took it. He starts walking down the fairway, it starts to rain, he puts the umbrella up, or tries to, and it's broken. Oh, wow. <laughs> he looks back and the woman's gone. Oh, she's gone, <laughs> and she makes a quick hundo, U.S. too. Another great story from that RBC Canadian Open uh, was Rory after his third round uh, scrumming with the media, and he said, you know, this is one of the best atmospheres I've played in in a while, and he sort of has, he sort of perked up, and he looked really happy, and, you know, you look back at that, that 13th hole, the ring hole, and to see a guy playing in the RBC Canadian Open for the first time, and Rory McIlroy say that. That's amazing. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Bob, the T is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, my winner uh, this year, um, you know, and it's more of a winner looking at this year and looking ahead, um, is the youth movement on the PGA Tour. Um, you look at Matthew Wolf. You look at Colin Morikawa. They both get victories pretty shortly after you know finishing it on the on the NCAA, and then Victor Hovland gets his card. Um, you know the future of you know these guys. You know winning right away. You got to think that you know even you know looking at the Ryder Cup next year, especially you know for a guy like Wolf or Morikawa, this could be a legitimate thing for either of these guys in the United States, couldn't it? It really could. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing to see how ready they are yeah. when they come out of college having very little professional experience. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how much better younger players are now at getting trained, at getting prepared, at getting ready to uh, at, at mentally to be able to win. Well, and how about Matthew Wolf too? We've mentioned it uh, before, but, you know, sort of the modern-day Jim Furyk in the sense that, you know, he's obviously a little more powerful than, than Furyk uh, is and was, but just the way he swings the golf club, it's so unorthodox, but for him... If if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I love looking at his position frozen at impact, though. It's just it's like Jim Furyk. It's absolutely perfect. Same sort of thing. How you get there doesn't really matter as much as what you do when yeah. you're there, right? And how about these young kids with these this killer in- instinct? You know, oh, yeah. when when Matthew Wolf won that tournament, Bryson DeChambeau and the group of four hits 
It's uh, a six iron from 202 yards to eight feet, makes eagle. Colin Morikawa playing with Matthew Wolf hits an approach to within 15 feet as a putt for Eagle. Wolf hits this monster three wood and then hits a long iron to 40 feet and makes an Eagle himself. Just yeah. this killer instinct these kids have. It's pretty special to see. It is. And I think, uh, I think you're going to see more of it. And I think it's interesting to see when you think of guys like Jordan Spieth at 26, 27 being like an old guy now. Grizzled. It's, uh, it's amazing how, uh, how just how good they are, and it 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 makes the uh, makes the PJ Tour fun to watch. It really does. I, I really can't wait to see these guys uh, next year, and you know Victor Hovland as well getting his card. That's very uh, exciting. My weird goes back to a moment at the Masters. Um, I believe it was the Saturday, thirteenth tee. Zach Johnson is taking a practice swing, and he he often takes his practice swings a little close to the ball. <laughs> he takes a swing. In his practice swing, he, he hits the side of the ball. The ball moves, hits the tee block, and bounces about a yard in front of him. He says, oh, bleep, now what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, of course, he was allowed to replace his ball, which I didn't know was a rule. Yeah. If you hit it in your practice swing. No, if you're not intending to hit the ball, then it does, there's no infraction. I've, I've known that because uh, I was in a club championship once at my golf club, and I showed up very late. I was sort of late the night before. Oh, perfect. Raced yeah. from the car. Yeah. My group was already down the fairway. Oh. I took a swing, basically hit about a tenth of the ball. Perfect. It went about 12 feet, and I reached down, picked it up, and put it back on the tee. And they said, oh, no, did you intend to hit that? I said, yep. He says, no. So there you go. So my club championship hopes were done, basically, on that oh first my, hole. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, for Zach Johnson, too, you know, the, the other shock that happened, I know he was playing with Matt Kuchar, and they sort of looked at each other like, oh, my God. Because, I mean, on tour, when have you ever seen something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know, happen. exactly, right? That yeah. was the best, you're right, that was the best part, was seeing his face. Yeah, sort of like, oh my God. How did I do that? Yeah, how did that happen? Um, and my what uh, for the year, what a year for Tiger Woods. Um, you know, he goes and wins the Masters, uh, he sort of builds up to winning the Masters, he, you know, finishes, um, you know, fifth place, or, you know, coming up short uh, in at the WGC match play, and sort of his game was sort of, um, you know, getting better and better and better, and uh, you know, for the Masters, it just peaked, and that was an unbelievable sporting moment. And I'll ask you about that afterwards. You know, but then he plays, takes a bunch of time off, goes to Beth Page. He's ill. He he has a, some sort of flu or cold. You know, doesn't really. You know, doesn't place well there. Obviously, misses the cut. And then as a top, uh, I finish, he finishes T nine at the Memorial. Looks like his game is getting back. Pebble Beach, sort of nothing. Royal Portrush, he was an absolute no show. Uh, and then he has a WD and then has a late um, stretch to a, right, a late run uh, to make the Tour Championship. Comes up short, but what a wild year it really was for him, wasn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it's sort of, you almost get the impression that, uh, that it was sort of peaked early and kind of just faded out in the back side. We'll get, as you say, we'll get into it a little bit more. But uh, but it's that I'll still remember that uh, that Masters and all everything just kind of transpiring to give him this walk up eighteen with a green jacket waiting for him. Wasn't it, you know? There's just so many things you can get into, get into with the Masters. You know, on Saturday when uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. No, it was Friday. Sorry, when when Tiger hit that shot out of uh, the woods and the marshal ran by and slipped and sort of buckled Tiger from <laughs> That's behind right. and he, he's limping. You're like, oh my god! And then he makes the birdie putt from yeah. there. You think, oh my god, there's that. And then, you know, on Sunday, how, you know, Molinari, how DeChambeau, uh, not DeChambeau, uh, Molinari and Kepka and Fina all hit yeah. it in the water on 12. 
what are the chances of that happening? Like, it's exactly. And, and what are the chances, the luck that Tiger wasn't going first there? Yeah. So now he sees those guys go in the water. Does he change his club? Does he change his angle? Does he realize now where the wind is coming from? You know, mm-hmm. all those little things. When you win, you get so many great breaks. That was one of them. And then one of the great moments, um, you know, perhaps in the history of this game, or at least in recent memory, was, you know, Tiger walking off the 18th hole, he's screaming, and you could hear on the broadcast, because Faldo and Jim Nance went silent, they, they, they let the crowd carry it, when you could hear him scream at the top of his lungs, looking at his little boy. Um, I'm getting chills thinking about that <laughs> yeah. right now. And then, you know, doing the flashback to Tiger and his father in 97, that was just one of the great heartwarming uh, moments we've ever seen. Oh, it's, it's a miracle a miracle on grass, I guess you might call it in some ways. And, yeah. and you're right, to come all the way back from some terrible stuff that he did to himself and some uh-huh. other people and uh-huh. what's happened. And uh, it's interesting that you know to see now if that's going to be his... Nicholas in 86 moment, or will it be more ahead? It's sort of, and now that brings me to my next question. It's sort of, what's next? Uh, he's definitely not going to play any golf in September. There'll be some stuff uh, overseas uh, in October. And then November comes, and he's got to decide whether he's going to pick himself or he's not. Where, where do you think you're leaning right now, and if Tiger is going to pick himself or not? I'm a big no right now. Yeah. And I think I've said this before on this show, but I, I just think that his back is so fragile. You can't risk having him in the lineup when you might need a guy to perform. Yeah, you know if he if he has to walk out on there and and play with uh, with in a severe pain, you know how do you do it? And so I think you you I just think you can't do that. I just think you have to go and get a guy who's going to be ready. And and on the other side of it, I know I just said it could be close or something, but on the other side of it, you know this is a great opportunity. They've dom so dominant, likely will dominate again the American side in the Presidents Cup. Why don't you give? a guy who maybe doesn't have any Ryder Cup experience, yeah. a chance to get into that atmosphere and feel what it's like so you can use him the next year. Mm-hmm. Well, a guy who's a little further down the points list is Kevin Kisner, who did well at the President's Cup. He's never played in the Ryder Cup. He's an excellent match play guy. Yeah. Uh, he could be a one guy to watch uh, for sure. One other weird moment with Tiger before you go to break. Uh, shortly after winning the Masters, Golf TV sort of hosted. Um, they made this cake for him, and, and they and they filmed it all. And when Tiger got out of a out of the car, it was early in the mor- in the morning. I think it was two weeks after winning the Masters. He was walking like an eighty seven year old man. Yeah, and that was. That lit up Twitter. It was like, oh my God, like, what is wrong? Like, is this how he wakes up every morning? Like, did he hurt himself again? Like, but so you can see the amount of work that he needs to do on a daily basis just to move. And the fact that he won the Masters, um, it's one of the greatest accomplishments I think probably we'll ever see in this, in this game and especially. Uh, in golf, uh, Tiger Woods. What a year! What a year it was. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to play some interviews uh, from the CP Women's Open. We're going to hear from Commissioner Mike Wan, and we're going to hear from Canadian AC Tangay, who not only made the cut at the CP Women's Open, she's getting married in a couple wow. weeks as well to someone very special and very close to her, <laughs> her agent and her caddy as well. So it, it, it's a pretty cool story. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Producer Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here on Labor Day weekend. Summer is coming to a close. Well, last week at the CP Women's Open, Bob had a chance to go one-on-one with LPGA Tour Commissioner Mike Wan, who's done a a host of things uh, to help the LPGA Tour. And here is that interview. All right, Commissioner Wan, uh, welcome back to Canada. I know this is a place that you've been familiar with for a long time, but you heard a lot about Magna Golf Course before from Lawrence, and I know a number of the players, and now you're out here playing it. How does it re- uh, reach up to the uh, the prior words that they gave it? I think it's one of the prettiest walks in the game. I mean, it really is special. I'm a little concerned because my irons have taken some damage on these fairways, but you'd have to look pretty hard to find a bad spot on this golf course. I've looked with some of my drives today, but no, it is a, it's a spectacular layout. It's, um, it's forgiving off the tee, but it's a second shot course. I mean, shots into the green are going to be, are going to be challenging, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like I said to Lawrence from golf, uh, from golf Canada, I would never know that I'm this close to the city. You really feel like an escape here. This would be a great place to hang. Obviously the word got out because the field here is spectacular, 96 of the top 100, and you said earlier that obviously when players show up like that, the word must be out for them as well. Yeah, I was, people have said to me, how do they feel about my tournament? And I said, players vote with their appearance. If they're here, they like it. And we've been over 95 of the top 100, I think my entire 10 years as commissioner. So players have voted. They love the CP Women's Open. And there's every reason why they should. It's a great purse. It's good TV. We play on incredible tracks. In August, this is the only place in the world that feels this nice. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, CP and Golf Canada do it right, and as a result, our players come. You mentioned uh, 10 years in January. You'll be celebrating a decade at this job. What are you most proud of in that 10 years? Uh, you know, I'm really proud of the team we've built. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, with. Like I said many times, I stand at the podium and take credit for a lot of work that everybody else does. We've really, um, we've really moved the needle for women's golf worldwide. You know, back when I started 10 years ago, about 15% of junior golf around the world was, was girls. It was pretty much the future of the game looked just like the senior part of the game. It was all boys and little bit girls. Today, about 36% of junior golf is women. We're well on our way to a 50-50 sport here in the next 10 or 20 years. So I think when I'm on a rocking chair someday sitting on a front porch talking to my grandkids, I'll be most proud of how we move the needle for women's golf worldwide. All right, uh, you mentioned the fact that you'd love to have 155 Brooke Hendersons every week. What, with that, but what are the challenges that you face for, say, the next decade in this job? Well, I mean, uh, it's funny. When I started back in 2010, the first question I had in my press conference is, what are you going to do about all the international influence? And I said, embrace it. And everybody started writing. I thought, what did I say? And um, I think people now realize what I meant by embrace it. You know, wh- one of the things that makes the LPGA work is we put on these incredible hometown events. I mean, we're here in Toronto, and this is going to be a great Toronto event for the people all around Magna, but we're going to have 75 countries eavesdrop on us. This is uh, this is the Olympic model. Create a sports environment where the best players in the world want to come play against each other, put on hometown events and let the world watch it on TV and that's what we do every week at the LPGA. You used to sell hockey equipment. Did you come to <laughs> no, Canada with, <laughs> with hockey equipment now you're here? Does it does are your hockey days behind you? 
Yeah, I think my hockey, although I have to say, I, I was also a tailor-made for a while. When I left, I said to my wife, I think I've learned all I can learn in golf. I think we're done with golf, and who knows, you know, so never say never. But, no, hockey was a great experience. Um, it got me close to Canada. I spent a lot of my life in Montreal, so I'm familiar with Montreal taxes. It's just I lived in California and Montreal. Couldn't spend more in taxes. But, uh, no, I loved I loved my time there. I loved the people I worked with, and, uh, and it was exciting to come back. This, to me, when I took the job, felt like something I could do for the game. It felt like my chance to give something back. Just the opposite has been true. This has been for me. I thought I was going to give something to the game, but I've got something in my last 10 years. It's a special place to be. I'm glad I'm here. All right. I know you got nine more holes to play. Good luck out there. Thank you very much. Well, Bob, you guys spoke about it, you and Mike Juan, and, and he's been at the helm now for over a decade. And, and the things he has done for the LPGA Tour, um, it's callous to say, you know, he's done an unbe- some unbelievable work for this tour um, with purses, with, with sponsorship, with, with all sorts of things, hasn't he? He really has, and it's, it's uh, growing again next year. They've got a couple of new tournaments to add to the schedule. Um, and, and he's a real champion of the tour and of women's golf. And if you saw, uh, he tweeted out something this week where he chastised uh, ESPN for not putting the scores up on their bottom yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy you want in your corner. And I really think that uh, he's been doing this now for 10 years. I'm not sure how much longer he'll stay, but I hope it's a long time because um, the tour needs someone like him. The tour needs, a, a, as I say, a champion to kind of push their causes and really sort of shout uh, through the, the blowhorn about how good this golf really is. And another thing he's done as well uh, is that drive-on program. Yeah. Uh, and, and you had a chance to catch up with him. We aired it on Golf Talk and uh, both TV and radio, and that was uh, in March. And another great initiative he's, he's uh, been a big part of, isn't it? It is, and it's, it is uh, sort of a push to sort of promote women's athletics and women in sport and, and the, um, the opportunities for women in sport. Uh, Brooke Henderson is kind of one of the faces of that whole program. He often, he actually said, we talked about, it, we mentioned it briefly, but I didn't get into it in that interview. How you know, if, if he had 155 yeah. Brooke Hendersons playing every week, he'd have a great tour. But um, I think, I think Mike Wan's heart is in the great place. And he told me, by the way, a great story about. I mentioned it briefly about the hockey. He sort of talked a little bit about it in that interview. But he was the head of missions hockey for a while. Wow. He came up to Montreal and they bought iTech. And then yes. they were they were gonna they were gonna buy um, another company, but they they were in a bidding war with Nike, and after that uh, Nike uh, ended up I think it was for Bauer actually they were gonna buy Bauer and they they lost out they were basically he said they were they were in one room and the other the other three companies that were bidding were in the other rooms and Nike was they would submit their bids and the guy would come back and finally um, he said well that's too much I guess we're out and shortly after that the phone rang in his room. And he said, hi, I'm the guy for next door from Nike. He said, not only did we just get Bauer, he says, I'd like to buy you guys now. Wow. <laughs> so he so sold Mission. And, there you uh, go. And it was that, that sale that actually freed him up to eventually become the LPGA Tour Commissioner. There you go. That's, uh, that's a great story. But you, you mentioned Brooke Henderson there, and you know she was one of two Canadians to make the cut at the CP Women's Open. AC Tangay, the other one. Um, and after her final round on uh, last Sunday, uh, Bobby went one-on-one with her. All right, AC Tangay, four rounds in the books. How would you sum up, first of all, the fourth round? Let's deal with that one first. I think I was pretty solid and really consistent. I gave myself a lot of chances. I made four birdies and three bogeys. So overall, I think it, it was steady. Um, I wish I, I could have made a little bit more birdies, but you know, I, I'm really happy with my round and I'm happy with my week overall. You came in here, you said you hadn't played in four weeks. You were a little rusty, maybe the game wasn't sharp, and yet you leave here. Feeling pretty good about your game, I guess? Yeah, I guess the adrenaline kind of does magic on me. <laughs> I think I, I, I can hit it a lot further off the tee in, in my own shot. So it really 
put my game back in tournament mode and uh, it's kind of cool because we have next week uh, we're in Portland and then we got a couple more at the end of this season um, so at least I, I know that I, I did the right thing by resting my back and taking a break so I'm, I'm really happy with my decisions overall. You were talking also about the decision making out on the golf course. How is that feeling for you now as well? It was so much better. We uh, after my I think first and second round, I talked with Tristan. We kind of had a chat and how we should we could do it better. And instead of turning to my caddy and kind of asking him what he thinks, then we just get the book out and kind of redo the process and look at where there's room on the green. So that's what we did in the past two days, and and it worked out really really great. I mean, I, I took maybe a little extra time to make these decisions, but at least I felt better about it. Now that caddy is also uh, your boyfriend, your fiance, and uh, you're getting married in how long? Three weeks. <laughs> now, once you say, you say I do, does that mean you can't fire your caddy anymore? I guess so. <laughs> He's stuck with me. <laughs> or you may be stuck with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best of luck in the next three events, and uh, congratulations on a good week here. Thanks, Bob. All right, Bob, it's a pretty exciting time for AC Tangy. Now, yes, she just made the cut at the CP Women's Open, but uh, sort of what's next for her both on and off the golf course. <laughs> yeah, well, she's got a couple of three tournaments left, and she's going to try and push herself into that top 100. It's going to be a tough task. Yeah. She's got to make up about 50 grand. Now, if she could ever, you know, finish in the top five or something like that, she'd go do herself some, some favors. Um, she may end up having to go back to Q school, mm -hmm. which she's done before, but I think she's good enough and she's confident enough now, as we heard in that interview, that she could probably get herself through that. It's, it's a long grind. They're basically two four-round tournaments. Uh, and a total score that gets you into into the, you oh know, with the LPGA Tour. Imagine. But the bigger thing for her is in a couple of weeks she's getting married, and she's marrying her uh, her college sweetie, who is also happens to be her manager and also happens to be her caddy. So, uh, I mean, I think that's a great story, and uh, I'm happy for her, and I'm sure that's uh, going to take precedence perhaps over maybe uh, extra putting practice or something. Yeah, it's happening in a couple of weeks, and she seemed pretty pumped uh, speaking after uh, just about the wedding and that she made the cut at the CP uh, Women's Open. Coming up after the break, we're going to get back into the Tour Champion the FedEx Cup. We're going to hear from Rory McIlroy and discuss some other things regarding the FedEx Cup. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increased stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Producer Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks and Rory McIlroy, now a two-time FedEx Cup champion. Uh, he was 13 under for the four rounds at East Lake, so he would have won the tournament anyway, but he goes on to win the FedEx Cup and $15 million. We're going to get into that very shortly, that $15 million. And hey, Xander Shoffley only wins $5 million for coming second. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. It's only $5 million, yada, yada, yada. But Rory McIlroy had a chance to, to catch up with NBC Golf Channel after his victory. Let's hear that interview. 
A year ago, you were on this dream, but the celebration and the cheers were for the guy you were playing with, Tiger Woods. You have a huge smile on your face. Congratulations on the win. What was it like hearing your name chanted this time? It was pretty cool. Um, I must say, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that walk last year like everyone else did. Uh, I, I played terribly. I got myself into the final group. Uh, I never took the fight to Tiger. Um, you know, going up against the number one player in the world today. You know, he got one over on me, uh, on me in Memphis. Uh, um, and I wanted to sort of try to get some revenge today. So to play like that, um, you know, alongside Brooks and get the win, win the FedEx Cup, um, yeah, it's it's awesome. I, uh, you know, I, it's it's amazing. You know how different uh, things can be in, in a year. You have become just the second player, along with Tiger Woods, to win multiple FedEx Cups. The first, however, to win it in this point system. So, how would you compare the pressure of today versus 2016, the first time you won it? Yeah, um, my goal today was to go and win. Not the normal tournament, but but win by even strokes, right? So you know, every, if everyone started on even uh, this week, my goal was to just shoot the lowest score of the week. And I think without birdie on the last, I did that. That's why I was still concentrating on it. Um, so that was my goal going out. So um, you know, it was you know, I, it looked like it was a three-horse race between Xander Brooks and I, and then. Um, you know, on the sort of middle of the back nine, it was just Xander, and, and, and I sort of was able to separate myself. But it's tough coming in. I made those two bogeys on uh, 14 and 15, made a huge par save on 16, uh, and then was able to birdie the last two. So, um, you know, such a such a cool way to end what has been for me a, a great season. Uh, you know, I'll look back on this season, and uh, you know, there's been a lot of good things that I've done, and you know try to improve for next year again. Last thing about this season with the new PGA Tour schedule, bookend big wins. The first big win came at the Players' Championship. Now you end the season with the Tour Championship. How would you characterize your 2018-19 Tour season? You know, I think um, I've given myself so many chances and you know, to win three times is, is awesome. Um, I feel like I could have won more, but you know, to, to win to win the FedEx Cup again, uh, to persist the whole way throughout the year, to, to keep giving myself chances even when I was getting knocked back and, and not be denied. Uh, I'm very proud of myself and I'm going to enjoy this one tonight. It was quite a show. Congratulations, Roy. Thank you. Well, Bob, the one thing as, as we sort of laughed about just off the top there was the dollar figure. $15 million. Um, it just watching it back. I mean, guys had putts where you know, hey, if you miss this putt, it's for a million dollars. Hey, and watching Paul Casey, he had a five foot putt on eighteen, and he was in solo fifth for two and a half million dollars, and that putt had absolutely no chance of going in the hole. He <laughs> lagged it from five feet. Paul Azinger on the broadcast said, "That's embarrassing," <laughs> and then started laughing. Um, is this number like? It, it, this just seems crazy to me that they could play for this much money. What do you think? You know, I don't think it's it's. I know the, the the numbers seem huge and they seem in some ways atrocious, maybe. But when you compare this to other sports, yeah. and when you can consider the fact that nobody is guaranteed anything most weeks on the PGA mm-hmm, Tour, mm-hmm. right? You can actually leave a tournament with a lot more in the negative than yeah. you can in the positive because you got to pay for your travel, your caddy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, oops, <laughs> just hit my uh, button there. Sorry, oh, hey, we're back. And uh, um, so I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, it does seem kind of gross, and I would have loved. If there had been a playoff for the fifteen million, because it's basically a ten million dollar playoff, yeah. the second place with five million. So I think that you get into a situation where you get um, maybe a little hypnotized by by the the big finish at the end. But when you look at what Rory won on the year and compare that to 
what Kawhi Leonard's going to make yeah. this year. Yeah. You know, it's not that out of whack, I don't think. Well, especially in this day and age, you know, Rory McIlroy is going to pull in somewhere around twenty-two to twenty-three million dollars. Only twenty-two to twenty-three. Yeah, as you mentioned, you look a guy you know, in the Kyle end. Lowry's contract's thirty-four million. Yeah. So yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just nuts to think about. But you know, hey, you know, a guy like Corey Connors pulls in, I believe, four hundred and fifty k somewhere around somewhere there. around there. Last place, thirtieth, got three hundred ninety-five thousand. This goes, by the way, it doesn't just pay the top uh, thirty guys. It pays right down to the top one twenty-five. In fact, it even pays beyond that. Oh. So guys who finished one twenty-six to one fifty actually get a check. Of bonus money okay. from the FedEx Cup, which isn't, you know, it, it drops off considerably, right. but everyone's getting paid out here. So, I mean, give Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PGA Tour, credit for when they redid this deal. I mean, everyone's making out uh, really, really well at this point. Oh, for sure. And, you know, a, a big, you know, subject coming into this was the format. Um, you know, some, you know, the leader starting at 10, last place starting at even. Do you think we could, you know, adjust this a little bit? You know, I'm thinking if Justin Thomas goes out and shoots seven under on Thursday, and he's at seventeen under through two day, through one day, is is like is this thing almost over? You know, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, but I'm, I'm I think those guys have. You're right. It's, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. I think that there is a um, there's no perfect way to do this, and mm-hmm. I think they're looking at trying to find some easy way now, barring something like starting with 30 and dropping it down so maybe you have the last two guys on the last day playing for that 10 million dollar difference yeah you know i can't see a way that you would make this um better than what we got this year and you just hope that there's no rory mcelroy shooting 61 Mm -hmm. like he did at the canadian open Mm -hmm. um doing that on thursday or something to try and jump out in front but Listen, this thing has been massaged and, and tweaked and, and cajoled every which way since they started the FedEx Cup. So it'd be nice to have one system for at least a couple of years. And potentially a big reason there was no low score out of the gate was the setup of the golf course. Um, and Eastlake, the rough was incredibly penal um, this week. And that really eliminated a lot of guys, you know, the, the bomb and gouge guys, the guys hitting driver no matter where and saying, hey, I'm going to, I can get it on the green whether I'm hitting a nine iron or hitting a nine iron or a pitching wedge instead of hitting a seven iron or an eight iron from the fairway. Do you think we could see more courses set up this way to, you know, get winning the winning score somewhere between nine and 12 under versus somewhere a little higher? I mean, you'd like to. Uh, obviously, a lot of tournaments have courses where they play right now, and there's only so many things you can do to limit yeah. what the players what the players can can do with it. The, the guys are so good right now, and the women are so oh, good yes. right now, yes. that you just have to sort of sit there and say, let's do as much as we can to tighten it up and and try and give these guys some kind of challenge. But unless you're going to do a go to a golf course where there's more dog legs, um, yeah. where there's more severe greens, you know it's not it off the tee. You can build an eight thousand yard golf course and the guys will shoot ten under. I guarantee you because they're just so long right now that it doesn't matter. And so it's it's not length that's going to protect your golf course. It's rough. It's yeah. green speeds. Um, it's hole locations. It's things like that. It's it's dog legs. It's forcing guys to think a little bit more than just stand on the tee and wail away. Coming up after the break, we're going to wrap up this week's show. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increased stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more.
This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Here, um, Muskoka Bay, let's hear that interview. Bruce, thanks so much for having me up. Uh, love it up here. It's my first time up this year, which is crazy. That speaks more to my uh, schedule than it speaks to the place because I love being here. Your first year here. Um, what's it been like? What are the what have been the uh, the fun things? Some of the surprises, maybe you know, with misconceptions, you come into a, a place. I know coming in here, you must have been excited because the reputation of this club is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Uh, been just a wonderful start to the season. Uh, we had a bit of a tough go, I guess, out of the gates with the tough winter that we had up here. Um, but uh, Chris Goodman, our superintendent, is uh, one of the best in the country, so he's uh, got our, our golf course back to its normal splendor. Um, but from, uh, from a first-year perspective, uh, wearing a lot of hats, obviously, is a big part of the job. <laughs> Uh, doing a lot more administrative duties than uh, perhaps I've been used to in the past, but uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun getting myself, uh, I guess, antiquated with uh, resale of properties, uh, managing stand play operations. Uh, obviously, a lot of staff here. We have about 100 uh, in peak season, so it's a lot of uh, interpersonal work with the, with the staff. So, uh, but it's been great. I've really enjoyed it so far. So it's been fun. Before we get, you, you just touched on stay and play, and I want to touch on that because coming up here in the fall is, to me, September might be the best month to play golf at Muskoka Bay uh, Club. Um, before we get there, though, uh, yesterday was your member guest day, and I noticed that it was uh, a full field, everybody having a great time, how to go for member guests. It's always a highlight of every club. Yeah, absolutely. The guys uh, had a wonderful day. Uh, we had 90 guys play in it, which is, uh, is good for us here. Um, so just a wonderful day. The camaraderie is awesome. Uh, we put on a really good spread for the dinner. Uh, on-course activities are, are, are great. So uh, everybody left last night with a big smile on their face. Uh, it was a super day. Yeah, really good. All right, so one of the top-ranked golf courses in the country, always in magnificent condition, and September's a wonderful time because the colors up here are crazy. They just pop. So stay in play. Uh, I know you just launched a new program that people might want to take advantage of come September. Yeah, just uh, just this week we launched an initiative with Under Par. Uh, for 229, you get uh, one night stay in one of our villas and uh, two rounds of golf. So it's, uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for people that have maybe not been up here to, to witness what, uh, what beautiful uh, settings we have here in September. Uh, I encourage you to please uh, try it on because it's, it's, it's fantastic. You're basically getting the accommodations for free at that year. You're getting two rounds. You pay for your two rounds of golf, get the night stay for free. You can't beat that. Absolutely. It's either, if you look at it, uh, basically you're getting uh, at least one round of golf paid for for free, and then your accommodations are netted right down to maybe 50 bucks a night. So it's, uh, like I say, you can't beat the price, and uh, what a great opportunity to see Muskoka in, in September. Yeah, and I highly suggest take advantage of that. Uh, MuskokaBayClub.com. MuskokaBayClub.com is where to go to poke around for more information. The food here is great, too, the facility, the clubhouse. So for an overnight, you can have a great dinner, enjoy the patio. Who knows, you get a warm September, you might even be able to use the infinity pool. Uh, last time I was up here, there was no condo there was no building facing the 18th uh, fairway the 18th green it was uh, just a hole in the ground i came uh, here now and you guys are well on your way that is that is one nice unit a lot larger than i thought it was going to be uh it's about five stories roughly facing the 18th green yeah five stories uh, there's going to be 61 units in there uh, the top floor is going to be our penthouse suites 
Um, so we've got 51 uh, of the 62 units already sold. So it's well on its way to uh, being a, a great addition to uh, our stay and play opportunities going forward. And uh, that's phase one. We've already got phase two uh, slated to start uh, next year. Another 40 uh, units will be going right beside that unit as well. So another facing 18th hole, same same angle. And the one thing I love about that building and the way it was constructed is every unit faces the golf course. There's not a bat. You can't buy a unit facing the road, facing sideways. Everything faces the golf course. That's correct. So it's uh, you're going to get the splendor of 18 fairway looking out. Uh, just a beautiful setting. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for people to come up, uh, spend, you know, whether it's a weekend or a lot of our people are going to put them back into our rental program. Um, but yeah, just a, just a great opportunity to come up and see uh, Muskoka Bay. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for being a part of Golf Talk Canada. It's a, we have a long relationship with Muskoka Bay Club. We try to you know, spread the message as well as we can because we love it and we uh, love the product. We believe in the message. So, and there's no better time to introduce somebody to this uh, club uh, it, than September. It's just as good as it gets. So congratulations on your first year. Looking forward for uh, future uh, uh, greatness, I guess, in, in the role and some great things happening in Muskoka Bay Club. So thanks for your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Mark. Uh, always a treat to see you and uh, welcome back anytime. And Muskoka Bay, Bob, as we know, it's one of the prettiest spots, uh, you know, in Ontario uh, to play some great golf, especially once the fall season uh, comes around. Hopefully the three of us and the Team Golf Talk Canada can get up and, and play around uh, in September or October. Uh, just a couple minutes left in the show here. You know, summer is winding down. Uh, it's pretty sad. Uh, waking up this morning was, I almost cried, but we're, we're okay. Um, is there a favorite moment, though, for the summer for you? Um, you know, I think seeing Tiger win, I guess, was yeah. one of those. Uh, seeing Corey Connors win was one of those. Seeing Michael Gligic, because he's such a good story, as I've said before, those. Over the course of the year, there's always so many great moments. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I can say anything stood out more, though, than, than Tiger winning, even though he had to do it, move up real early in the day to do it. But I think Tiger Woods is, um, you know, he's always going to be the biggest name in golf, at, in, in certainly in our era. And uh, and to see him come back from everything good and bad is was pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable for sure. And you know, for me, looking at Rory McIlroy pulling out the Raptors jersey on the 18th green when, <laughs> when you were standing with them yelling Raptors in five, that was pretty cool. Um, and then Shane Lowry at, at the Open Championship at Royal Portrush, uh, we were both there. Um, you know, that was just unbelievable to see. You know, he really came out of nowhere to do it too. He, did. he didn't really have great form. You know, he finished second at the RBC. He finished. He was up there at the RBC Canadian he Open. He was yeah. second. Okay, um, and then, but past performances, no one really had him coming into it. Um, and the way he did it, uh, I remember personally stand or sitting in the grandstands on 18 on Saturday when he missed that putt for 62 and was like, oh my god, like this. <laughs> and then walking out of there, there was a huge delay. They had to block some people off and. What people were chanting about twelve Guinnesses deep, and I was not. But <laughs> but hearing that, it was pretty cool to be on the property at Royal Port Rush, seeing that. But a, a couple unbelievable moments uh, for sure. But that's the end of summer. But Golf Talk Canada Radio is not going away. Ah, the fall season. The fall season. The fall series is here. We are on the air every Saturday. We're going to be live until I believe the end of November. We have some best of specials. Our of course our annual Festivus special. Yes. 
which is going to be in front of a studio audience, uh, a live studio audience. So uh, some exciting times coming ahead for Golf Talk Canada Radio and, of course, Golf Talk Canada Television. We have uh, an hour-long special in September, October, November, and then, of course, we'll wrap up 2019 with our Year in Review special in December. Bob, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Adam. It's been fun. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet, everyone. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.com.